You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Christopher Media, let's make some noise. Your dad's being cremated, that's what he wants. Oh my God. Oh. Cremation talk today, fun. Perfect for lunch. Yeah. You have to admit, my friends, you, you took the low road. Me, me, what do I want? What's Diet, gluten-free, chicken Caesar wrap. It's a whole process where we burn and then it smash, grind, we burn again. It's like a lather, rinse, repeat. No, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's what? Okay. Told me it's what? Okay. I, oh, damn it. She doesn't want anything to do with me, Brick. Well, that might be true, but you should go double check. I'm going to rise up out of the coffin. I'm fine, I'm good, I'm Eddie. My nephew Devin, he looks a lot like you. I'm sorry, it had to be said. He didn't even say he loved us. We knew it. And he gave us hugs. All right, you guys are All right. Yes, you do. We got you. You will take one. Back up, baby. Take it easy. The places. The places where we go. Get that. Some more stuff, Dad. Get the hell out of here! Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hey folks, welcome to a special episode of the Projection Booth. On this episode, I'm talking to both Leslie Ann Warren and Larry Clark. That's Larry Clark with an E. That's not Larry Clark, the director of Kids and other things. Not creepy Larry Clark, but good Larry Clark. This is Larry Clark, who directed the movie Three Days with Dad. He also stars in it. He also wrote it. He also produced it. Leslie Ann Warren also is the star of the film, among other people. Leslie Ann Warren, who has been in so many amazing things, who I just kind of embarrassed myself talking to. So I am kind of mortified to play back this interview. Also slightly mortified to play back the interview with Larry Clark. We had some bad storms coming through Michigan the other day. Got on the phone with him, said hello. The entire power went out in the house, the neighborhood, all over the place. So I ended up doing the interview on my phone, which could sound a lot better. So I apologize for the sound quality of this interview. Hopefully you can make it through it. He's got a lot of good things to say. Three Days with Dad is a very fun movie. It is now available on streaming platforms. If you got Xfinity, check it out. You can get it right there and then. And I hope you enjoy these interviews. I remember the first time I saw Victor Victoria at the theater, and it was just, you were, oh my God, just hilarious. Thank you so much. That was yeah. That was definitely a highlight of my my decades long career for sure. If memory serves, you had much more of a background in singing and dancing than even the acting part of it. And I was curious how you uh, came to the acting uh, portion of your career. Well, I started as a ballet dancer in New York, and um, that's where I was born. And uh, I studied from the time I was six to about fourteen. When I was about 14, I had some friends that were in the Broadway production of Bye Bye Birdie, and I used to stand on the wings and watch them, and I, I just became entranced with musical theater. And so I started studying, studying singing and um, sneaking off to auditions because my parents wanted me to finish high school before I did anything. But I got my first Broadway show when I was... 16 and a half. I graduated high school at 16 and a half, and so I turned 17 in the summer of rehearsal. And it just naturally morphed into acting, singing, and dancing, and then more acting because less musicals were being done. Can you tell me about what it was like to work on the uh, It's a Bird, It's a Plane, It's Superman musical? Yeah, that was tremendous fun. You know, it was clearly a farcical take on a satirical take on on Superman, but it was a producer that I had that I knew and had worked with before, and any chance I had to do something musical was a was a gift for me. So this was just a, a wonderful experience. I always wonder how much that musical had to do with getting the actual Superman franchise and getting the Superman movie made just a few years later. 
You know, I really don't know that answer. I I actually tested for Lois Lane um, in London with some other wonderful actresses and um, was very devastated when I didn't get the role, but Margot Kidder did a fabulous job. And maybe it had something to do with it, but I don't really know. You are also in one that I really like, though I know... I, I don't know how many other people like this movie, but when it came out, I remember like some people weren't too into it. Maybe it's turned around lately, but I love Color of Night. Yeah, that was a, I, that was a, a very challenging movie to make and, and role to embody. It was such a complex sort of story and, you know, covered such a, a wide terrain of material, really psychologically. And so... Making it was a, a, a definite challenge, and you never are sure what movies are going to hit and what they're what not. What you know, what movies are not going to touch somebody's touch a collective, you know, uh, uh, experience. But this one, I you know, people. It's interesting. People do comment on this one to me. You know, it's it's some people's very favorite movie. You know, um, and then other people don't even know about it. So it, it had an interesting sort of life. And, and unfortunately, I don't think it probably reached as many people with as much success as it might have, you know, as it could have. Yeah, I've got a friend who always says that every movie is somebody's favorite movie, you know, no matter what it is, yeah, that's there's got to be somebody out there who yeah. just loves it. That's, yes, that's true. Absolutely. I'm always surprised when people come up to me and say, oh, my God, I loved Oh, what was it now? It just went right out of my head. But it's um, it's a movie I did with with um, Christopher Atkins. Oh, it, was, it was about a t- school teacher and a stripper, and and a male stripper, and um, they loved it. They absolutely love it. And I was I'm always surprised. You know, I mean, it, it, you never know what people are going to respond to. By the way, that movie with Christopher Atkins was called A Night in Heaven. You were so good in um, The Limey. That movie just, oh my God, the first time I saw it, I was blown away. Yeah, that was an amazing experience to work with Steven Soderbergh and, of course, Taron Stamp. And, and the interesting thing about that movie is that we shot it in a linear fashion. And then then Steven went back and cut it apart and recreated it as if it were a dream memory of Taron Stamp's character which I thought was such an interesting way to present the film. Yeah, I seem to remember the writer was not a big fan of what Soderbergh was doing, but I think he finally came around to it. Yeah, because it was, you know, it was not his original script. I mean, it certainly utilized his original script, but then Stephen kind of pushed it, pulled it apart, you know, and reconfigured it. But I think ultimately, I remember Steven Spielberg saying to me at a a party once that it was Steven Soderbergh's... It was his favorite film of Steven Soderbergh, at that time, anyway. Yeah, we were talking about that, the whole idea of what hits and what doesn't. And what are some of the ones for you where you're just like, wow, I'm surprised nobody has glommed onto that. Nobody says, like, hey, thank you so much for being in this movie. What are some of those performances for you, those those precious moments? When Clue came out, it was, you know, it, was, it, was, uh, it got a moderate reaction. And then it became this enormous cult hit that continues to have an enormous life. Um, people, especially young people, you know, people in their 20s and you know, they, millennials, they, they, they love, love, love this movie. And initially, we were all kind of disappointed that it didn't take off the way we thought it would. And then it did. You know, it's, it's so strange. I mean, it became part of the zeitgeist of, you know, what younger people were loving. Um, I did a movie called um, Going All the Way. With, it was actually Ben Affleck's first movie, and um, Rachel Weisz was in it, and Jeremy Davies, and um, Rose McGowan, and all these people, these Jill Clayburgh. And I love that movie, and I thought it was so special and so unique. It did go to Sundance, but it didn't, you know, People didn't see it. There was another movie that I did that they only sort of publicized in the in the Southwest, which was Pure Country, that initially didn't have a following and then became, again, a big sort of favorite and, and, and much more of a, a, an appreciated film. So you never know. 
I know you've worked a few times with Alan Rudolph, and I was very curious what it is uh, like to work with him, because, I mean, I love Choose Me quite a bit. Yes, I love Choose Me. It was one of my favorite films of mine, and I think it's my fav- one of my favorite films of Alan's. He is, an, is, is a, a mercurial, really complicate, complicated man, um, very supportive of actors, deeply respects and loves them, and um, gives actors a, 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 a really safe and um, welcoming space to create. So it's a wonderful experience to have worked with him in those years. Yeah, you've been in the industry for a little while now, and (laughs) I'm sure you've seen so many changes. I mean, not just just even in the way that television has been elevated now to being a a higher stature. Um, You know, people are like, oh, if I can get a series, it's a good thing, and it's not looked down upon like it maybe once was. And how has that affected you over the last decade or so? Well, I've had to reprogram my thinking because I grew up in a time where you did not do television. You know, you tried really hard to stay away from television. And I had sort of started in television with Cinderella. And then I, you know, did television certainly in my my earlier years as well. But then you were supposed to just do movies. And now it's completely different. So I I had a hard time initially understanding that that had changed so radically and now, of course, I'm run on that train with everybody else. I think Succession is one of my favorite television and or movies that are that are out. And that's on um, HBO, I believe. It's HBO. It's just brilliant in every way. So there's so much television that is being done that is so um, powerful and funny and, you know, complex that it's the place to be. Well, you were in at least one of my favorite shows over the last couple of years, which was In Plain Sight. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I loved that show, too. I loved it. I loved working with Mary. I loved that role. Mary McCormick, I loved that role. She was such a, 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 a deep and complicated woman and so tortured and so, you know, wild and interesting. And it was a really great series for me to have been involved in. I was really sad when that one got let go. Actually, it was Mary that she had her third child and while in the last season, and she, it was just too much for her to to um, to, to, to pick up and, and go to Albuquerque every season and try to shape her family around that move, you know, so she really decided that she needed to be in L.A. Yeah, I can't even imagine. I mean, it's got to be so tough to balance regular life, being a mom and being an actress all at the same time. It is. I think it is. It's a big challenge. Absolutely. Yeah. Whenever I talk to somebody and they've been on Columbo, Columbo is one of my favorite shows, I have to ask, what was your experience like? Well, it was great. It was a great experience. Um, uh, George Hamilton, who played my sort of, you know, partner in whatever crime or whatever, you know, is very, very, very funny man. And people don't know that about him, but he was hysterically funny. And my the material that I had to play was very serious and very, you know, sad and very sort of emotional. And so he kept me laughing when I was not, you know, in the middle of the scene, which was really great. And, of course, I loved Peter, you know, Peter Falk. I just thought he was such a brilliant actor. And so it was just um, great to be a part of that show. Yeah, he was a real artist. I mean, he was a real um, serious actor and a, and, a, and a fabulous artist. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about your role with uh, Three Days with Dad. How did that come to you? Well, I was having dinner with a director friend of mine, Bobby Moresco, director-writer friend of mine. He, he co-wrote, he, he won the Academy Award for co-writing Crash and Million Dollar Baby. And um, Larry was at that dinner. It was just a small dinner, very casual. And we were all talking. And I don't know whether it was a week later, a few days later, but Bobby asked me if Larry could get in touch with me that he had a script and um, Larry called me and we we talked and he told me about this character and what he was trying to do and it sounded amazing and then I read it and I loved it uh, from day one. I didn't understand the character and I knew it was going to be difficult and challenging but I was excited. I just saw the film last night uh, at its premiere and um, 
I absolutely love this movie. I really can say that genuinely. And I'm so excited and proud of my work in it. How did you finally find your way to the character? Well, daily. You know, it's, I had to ask Larry a lot of questions because it was based on somebody he knew and, you know, and then create from my own imagination combination of her reality and what I could bring to it and what I could understand from, from another vantage point. And so it was a, it was a daily, um, you know, exploration in that regard. When you are preparing to be in a role, I mean, what, what's your method? How do you find your way into this? Do you do like, um, you know, write the backstory for a person or, or what's that way that you finally embody that character? I studied with Lee Strasberg for 10 years in New York at the Actors Studio, and I really do use the method, and that means really creating a past for the character if there isn't one on the page, understanding the relationships that the character has with the other characters in the piece, what is her part in the overall, and using all of the tools from the method, if you will, that that I've learned, which are sense memory, emotional memory, personalization, substitution, so that I can walk onto the set and have, I do a lot of preparation on any movie, on any job. And then I can come to the set and really let that imbue whatever it is I'm doing, but not, not, not feel that it's dictating whatever spontaneity and, and, and impulses have come up at the moment. How was it working with Larry, him being a first-time director, but yet having acted for so many years? You know, he was a really terrific director. You know, he he had good notes, but not many. He would allow you to the freedom to explore, and he understands that. You know, he he because he is an actor, and being an act, being a really good actor, a wonderful actor, he um, can recognize the truth and see, make sure that that's what is ultimately on screen. So I found him to be exciting to work with. When you've got such a strong cast with you as well, I mean, gosh, just so many great names. And Brian Dennehy, my goodness. I know, I love him. I adore him. It's my third time working with him. And I just, he's, he is so generous as an actor. And so he was so protective of me and, just in a great way. And so, again, very much in the moment, very spontaneous, which is how I love to work as well. So it was a joy to work with him. And then Mo Gaffney is so hysterically funny and just wonderful to work with and loving and just, you know, Eric Edelstein and Edelstein and, and, and the other, you know, members of the family were where my, I didn't get to work with J.K. Simmons. We weren't in any scenes together. But um, everybody, you know, Chris Bauer, I mean, they were all of them. So, you know, so excellent. Michael Malley, so funny and touching. Yeah, it's a great cast. What else are you working on these days? I just finished a movie with uh, Michael Shannon, and that should be out probably next spring. It's called Echo Boomers. And I did a Christmas special, Christmas television, I don't know what, I guess it's a Christmas special <laughs> for a lifetime called Twinkle All the Way, and I'm Twinkle. And that was really sweet and fun. Is Michael Shannon as intense in real life as he is in his movie roles? No. He's so sweet and lovely. He's just a gentleman and just, just so, so lovely. Yeah, he's a terrific actor. But in real life, he's very different. Is American Princess, is that still going on? You know, that's, a, that's been canceled. So we had one season, and that's been canceled. It was a really fun, again, a very fun role for me because she was so, such an elitist and so um, so judgmental. And so, you know, just it was so much fun. I think the Renaissance Fair part of it, I'm not sure that it actually resonated with enough, enough people, you know? Well, you would hope with all the diverse channels that you'd be able to find an audience. You know, you would hope, but you just never, you know, you just don't know. You just don't know. Thank you so much for your time. It was a real pleasure talking with you. It was lovely to talk to you, and I'm insane for this movie, so I hope it gets a lot of coverage.
Well, I'm very curious as far as, you know, how you decided to, to get into the acting business. I mean, it's not one of those easy choices, I'm sure. It was an easy choice for me because I've always wanted to be an actor. Uh, I mean, it goes back to third grade. I put it down in, like, you know, a career I wanted to be. I remember writing it down saying comedian, actor, and uh, I pretty much stuck to that path. You know, I went and studied it in college, and uh, then I went to professional theater in my 20s, and went to New York, and popped around there, had my break, had my first television break shooting Law & Order, did that for a couple of years, that really got me started, at least as far as film and TV, and I did some uh, some interesting stage work, moved out to LA, and I've uh, been working in film and TV since then, so it's really been... Uh, not much of a choice, really. It's been a life passion. Yeah, it seems like after 2000, there was no stopping you. You just went from gig to gig to gig. Uh, well, it, it, I guess it looks like that, but uh, it, it certainly didn't feel like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I did okay. I did okay. You know, um, I, I have really nothing to complain about. You know, I, yeah, I missed some big things, and I got some good things. So... One reason why I've decided to, you know, enter into filmmaking is that I have a lot of experience and, but I've also been frustrated with a lot of the parts that have been offered me and I wanted to make a movie and kind of say, hey, listen, I, I'm capable of more things than just playing a police officer and, uh, and, uh, a lawyer and, which I play a lot of and that, uh, character actors can, you know, they can lead a movie. So that's what I, kind of set out to do with this script and and I did it <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think would be worse if you were known for being a police captain police officer detective or being like a, the villain of every piece uh, villains are a lot more fun yeah villains are great man uh, I have yet to real. I mean I've played a couple and uh, that's been a lot of fun and uh, I normally don't get the chance to do that so I'm looking forward to a few more villain roles in my life <laughs> I do have to ask you, how was it uh, being on Twin Peaks? Because the detective role in there was certainly different than I've seen you play before. Yeah, well, David uh, works in a very unique way. And so we were all pretty much on set and not really knowing what to do. Because every time we do it kind of the straight way, he didn't like that. So he likes to throw off his actors and he'll say, no, uh, stop there, go slower here. And, you know, he... He, he likes to throw people off and get unique performances. He definitely achieved that. And uh, so, you know, he was an icon hanging out on set. So we been pretty much, you know, we were like lap dogs. Wait, we'll do anything for him. <laughs> and, and um, but, you know, he loves actors. And he was very generous to us, to the Fusco brothers. And, uh, and I, I'll just never forget the experience. It was such a pleasure watching you because it felt like you were having a good time. We were. <laughs> I was, I was a good time. So tell me about Three Days with Dad, because not only are you acting in it, but you're writing, you're directing. Were, were you producing this one as well? Uh-huh. Well, yes. Yeah, my, I, I created the... Um, it was, I had to create a production company to make the movie through. Wow. It. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I made my own production company, and uh, these producers uh, jumped on board, and... Uh, we started the ball rolling, and uh, it was pretty difficult. You know, when you're starting from zero and never having made a movie, I learned quite a bit, including, like, going to the bank and opening up the LLC. And uh, just, it's just weird, you know. And then just uh, getting calling lawyers and getting things started. And, you know, the fun part, I would say, is writing. That's a lot of fun. The fun part is, is, is writing writing, directing, and even being on, on set is fun. But the producing part, that's difficult. And asking for money, that is, uh, uh, that's the, that's the hard part. Trying to, trying to raise money is difficult. I think it's true in every endeavor, but I think it's especially, especially in show business because it's just difficult. You know, you're asking, I did a, a campaign online, Indiegogo. That's very difficult to do because a lot of my friends, you know, are struggling actors, so I call it, like, fleecing my friends, you know. And, you know, I raised, like, 14, about 14 grand, but that's nothing, you know. Right. Like I, I, I set a goal of 200,000, so I think I was a little ambitious. 
you know, I learned a lot about financing. I learned a lot about uh, there are people out there that are in the business world that, you know, they do short-term short term, term loans. And I did a lot of that. And there was a credit card also flying around on set. So, we, you know, I pieced together the money. I shot it in three different stages. Every time uh, we ran out of money, we stopped filming. That's very difficult to do, and it's more expensive to keep bringing the crew together. But that's the only way we could do it. You know, when I first started the project, I, I had the money, and then it, it fell away about three weeks before we started filming. Yeah. So I was already committed, so I had to move forward. Money was already spent. So, and that was so once you kind of start the trajectory of starting a movie, you can't stop. And I knew I had all my buddies coming in. I knew that was worth something. You know, all my friends had taken uh, time off to shoot this movie, so I was like, well, I got to move forward, and then I'll find the money. And that's what I did. Was the motivation for this like, hey, I want to give myself a project, I want to write, I want to direct, I want to produce, or did it come from something else? I think it's a, it's a bunch of things. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I guess the main one was um, I started writing, I guess about 10 years ago in this writing group that I attend every week, and uh, I got better at writing. I started with writing one acts and two character plays, and then I eventually started um, writing screenplays with multi-characters. and. I mean, I've been studying this craft for a long time, and I got good at it, I thought. You know, I finished about three screenplays. This is my first one. And um, and once I finished it, I went, you know, it felt really good. And I was like, can I do this? I mean, it really was a challenge. And I also want to make movies that I haven't seen before. And uh, I wanted to um, do scenes and see scenes, create scenes that appeal to me. And, and, you know, I think that's true about a lot of artists who are frustrated by what they don't see, and they, they seek out their own canvas, mm -hmm. pretty much. And it's a little late in my career to do this, but I, I, I did it. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. To me, it's like you I, you got to have fun. Um, I wanted to make a story that mattered. It also um, um, entertained people, but I also wanted to move them. And I also wanted to do a movie about loss in a way that I'd never seen before. And that is to concentrate on the final two weeks of life and uh, the difficulties that families go through and the stress that they go through, as I think is very interesting and uh, brings up a lot of comic circum circumstances and some tragic ones. How close was this story to you? Completely close. I, most of it was true. Was this kind of like a almost like a therapy to write this? Well, I mean, I think all art is therapy. Mm -hmm. if, you're, if you're good at it, you can keep it close to home and be honest with your acting or your writing. You want to always stay truthful, so we always draw upon ourselves. And I think those are usually the best stories. I also think the simplest stories, the most honest stories, are the ones that come, I mean, it came to me pretty easy because I literally was writing about things that occurred. And as far as death, yeah, I, you know, death is, you know, it's something that we all struggle with and try to redefine and frame in our lives because it's this absurd thing that happens to all of us. Yeah, so I guess this is my way of kind of working through some things. What dad leaving was a profound loss. I don't know. I wanted to do something to take that experience and kind of uh, put it, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, I was definitely driven to do it. I, it. But you're right. At times, I caught myself on set going, wow, I'm reliving this again. Oh, this yeah. is very strange. <laughs> it's a very strange situation. Because Brian looks a lot like my dad, too. Uh -huh. And so there wasn't a lot of asking for me. It was very easy to be with Brian Dennehy, stare down at him and go, like, wow, he looks exactly like dad. Mm. So um, it, was, it definitely played with my head at times. But I'm glad I did it. Was it always a given that you were going to be in it and directed as well? Pretty much. It's the easiest way for me to work. Um, I don't have to worry about the tone of the piece. The lead actor is me, so I can set the tone. So I really jump into the scene and start playing with the actors. They get it right away. I can also make changes from within the scene to the dialogue or whatever. If I go up with ideas, I'm in it. So um, I find this a great way to work. That was like the fun. That's the fun part for me that I get to play because I'm I'm primarily an actor. So mm -hmm. this is new. The directing part is new. So I I just enjoyed 
and it keeps it also, it keeps it, it's cheaper, I can go much faster, and I can stay true to this voice, and I, you know, this kind of, Eddie, who's this sad sack character, I wrote it to me, to my own kind of physical specifications, and what I look like, and what I do well, so, I think I was the perfect actor for the role, <laughs> um, uh, you know, I, you know, I would, would, would I have put another actor in, like, uh, say, I don't know, Matt Damon, or, you know, if I got a huge star, yeah, I probably would have <laughs> backed away and said, hey, guy, you want to do it? Good, it's going to change everything. Now we're going to bigger picture, and I probably would have backed down. But when you're shooting a movie for $400,000, you don't have a lot of choices. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you you kind of have to just uh, run with what you have. And so I basically was like, tell my buddies, I love acting with you. When it comes to set, I'll act with you. We'll get through this thing. We're going to have a good time. And that included my uh, my involvement in this, you know, in every part of this production. I pretty much was involved in everything. How did you get your crew together? Uh, that was the, the the producers. They okay. put it together. Yeah, I, I really didn't know how to do that. So they had made movies with this crew before, and you know, they my DP. They sent a list of DPs. I went through them, and one. I liked, you know, I interviewed a couple and I met this one guy, Gallo, and he was great. And he, he, he was very, um, he was used to shooting quick, which I knew I needed. Mm-hmm. He also was good at working with low budgets and all his pictures look like they're much more expensive than, than what was, um, actually spent. So he was an expert at that. He also had a background in documentary work and so did his assistant camera. So I, I needed that kind of like grab the moment sort of, approach to these scenes I really wanted to catch the reality of the scene the harshness uh, the humor the whatever it is that I wanted him to grab these special moments and he was very good at that these intimate moments Gallo was a fantastic DP to work with well to that end if you've got a documentarian as a DP and assistant are you doing a lot of rehearsals before you even yell action we really didn't have time (laughs) we're basically shooting the rehearsal yeah, we're just like flying. We're doing, you know, eight to ten pages a day. It's unheard of. So we're going pretty quick, and sometimes I just settle on one take, too, just move on and get some more coverage. But, um, yeah, we, we went pretty fast. And that's another good thing about me being with my friends on set uh, is that we've worked together before, and we trust each other, and, uh, and, we, and we like each other so that they felt like, if you create an environment where people feel safe, actors feel safe, you can go much faster than uh, working on um, a movie where everyone's like a stranger. So I, I tried to create that kind of warmth and trust on set, and uh, I think we, 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 you know, all these guys had a good time, and we got a lot of great performances out of them. So I'm curious, you as a, you know, not necessarily first-time writer, but first-time screenwriter, but many-year season actor, how precious are you when it comes to the words, or are you like, go ahead and ad-lib if something feels right? Absolutely. I mean, those are the best directors I like working with, and I definitely have that style. Uh, once you get on set, you know, feel free to add a moment or add anything you like. Um, I love seeing an actor get surprised in the moment, so sometimes I would say things to, to an actor that they didn't expect, and that's how you really can get some real special takes, mm-hmm. just surprising people, and it's also a lot of fun, because you got to stay on your toes, you don't know what the other actor's going to say, so, you know, we knew generally what uh, we obviously were going to say, we all had our lines, but, you know, I change it up on them, we do it two or three different ways, I say, that's a great take, now let's try it this way that's great and then we get an idea and sometimes Tom Arnold would be like I got an idea for something here just, and he would just say roll it and then he would do it you know he didn't have to explain it to me or anything I said just go for it that's really a fun way of shooting films and it's quick I mean actors when they're given that kind of freedom they you, you, you can really get surprised and get some great moments out of them and, and it happened a lot I mean, I got a lot of buttons, especially from Tom and Michael Malley. Um, a lot of comic buttons just came out of them in the moment. And, you know, those were either looks or phrases or something, and they turned out to be gold in the editing room. The way you're describing this, it almost, I mean, not to say it's as intense, you know, and there's definitely a lot of more light elements, 
but it's a little Cassavetes-esque. And I'm curious, who were some of your inspirations when it came to what you wanted to do with directing? Oh, my God. Inspired by so, so many different types of filmmakers and filmmaking. Um, Cassavetes, of course, uh, being the, the king. Um, and he started the independent movement. And, I mean, I've learned a lot from him. I've learned, I mean, I could say Woody Allen. Oh, God, the list goes on and on. You know, and then Lars Van Trier, a lot of that kind of uh, the Danish New Wave. I love those guys. I love a film in particular called Celebration that really kind of changed the way I looked at cinema. Uh, which I don't know if you've ever seen it. Have you ever seen Celebration? It doesn't sound familiar. Was that Von Trier? Oh, uh, it's his contemporary. They all kind of challenged each other, and they were part uh, of that. Uh, the remember dogma? That, that thing where they the dogma? Yeah, yeah. The dogma series, and he created Celebration. Came out of it, and it's really one of the most amazing films that I've ever seen. That's shot on one location, and it's amazing character work. It's some of the most amazing. I mean, you got to check it out. It's a phenomenal film. And it really changed me when I saw that film. I felt my DNA kind of rearranging. And I also felt like I could really do this. Because I really like the line blurring between reality and um, story. And I'm not afraid of, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed with people that um, let silence, you know. I kind of feel like a great film is if you turn off the sound. You can still, you know, still know what's going on. And I recognize that it's a visual medium. Um, so I kept always saying that and reminding myself of that. But any, anyway, but as far as being um, inspired, I mean, uh, I've just been inspired so, by so many filmmakers. You know, it's another thing to pick up the camera and trying to emulate that's another thing. Uh, so I tried to just kind of stick to my own story. And I went by the seat of my pants pretty much as far as coverage. You're def- you know, I, am, I was defined, I'm sorry, confined by script, budget, and time. So you have to, you know, I wanted to shoot in a large hospital. I didn't have the money. So I had to create hospital rooms on a set and uh, shoot shoot that way. So that just changed my whole approach. If I had the hospitals, I think I would have shot it differently. You know, I also had a bunch of flashback scenes I had to cut because of time and money. And in retrospect, in the editing studio, I didn't need them because I didn't need to see the little eight millimeter flashbacks that I had written to the childhood. It was all kind of implied. At least we learned that in the editing room. My editor was like, no, we don't need those. We don't need them. Because I was, I was going to reshoot and add some of those. That's just overwritten. It was overwritten. It was uh, redundant with the story. And that's the kind of stuff you learn later while you're make, putting the movie together. Because um, it's a different movie when you put it together. It's very different than the, than the movie that I wrote. The movie that I wrote was much larger, much larger idea, you know, with a lot of these flashbacks, with a lot of, you know, I had the, the huge Roman Catholic funeral scene that I had, I couldn't afford a church, so I had to use a much a chapel. So that changed it too, and, you know, I was going to shoot a whole mass, but that cost $10,000 a day just to rent the church, so I had to uh, get rid of that idea completely and wow. rewrite it. So that's kind of half the fun of this is, you know, an independent movie making is coming up with solutions uh, to uh, when you're working in a, in a confined set of time with, with, with it, uh, you know, limited budget, limited time. And I've got actors scheduled, so I got to work around them. Right. So it's all like problem solving and, and, and how can we fix this? So, for example, David Keckner was supposed to be playing my best friend. He started, he couldn't do it at the last second, so I threw my buddy Nate in, and then I said Kecker became Dr. Death at the end of the movie, and he shot for one day, and that's all he could really give me. And there was a lot of that. There was a lot of shuffling around. There was a lot of quick working, a lot of... Um, so, you know, I guess what I'm saying in my long answer is that Cassavetes, I think, also, if you go back to that time, you know, he basically just got the camera and shot Truth and had his buddies, you know, hold the camera, and... I think there's, there's, uh, I had a certain kind of rawness to, to my approach where I'm not, I don't know enough about movie making to really do anything else except to have a character driven story and try to make it as truthful as possible and, uh, and we'll light it as best we can. And, but, uh, there's not a lot of tricks in this movie. There's not a lot of, 
fancy, um, you know, camera work. It's a pretty straightforward picture. Yeah. Well, in the same with Cassavetes, I mean, he used such strong actors, you know, Falk and Carey and uh, Gazzara, and your cast is just amazing. Yeah, they are. Yeah, I, I felt in particular Tom Arnold really surprised me on set. He brought a real depth to his work that I was surprised by. I kind of didn't like that character goes as deep and dark as he went, and so we changed that as we went along because of what he brought to the table. I love that. And everybody brought something. And I, you know, because I'm the writer and the director, I can change according to what I'm seeing. So I did that. I started adapting our scenes to the way people were approaching them. You talked about how you had to stop a couple times. Did those breaks afford you any sort of like, let's go back and reevaluate where we were? Or did you just... Absolutely. Oh, okay, good. They really helped me, especially at the end. I realized um, I hadn't shot the beginning or the end of the movie yet, which both took place in the church. And after looking at all the material, I said to myself, I used to start the movie with a family argument in the church. It was pretty intense. And I said, Larry, you got a comedy here. You're going to start with something a little lighter. And I don't need, like, and family kind of argues enough in this movie. Like I, I took away a couple family family arguments. So I changed that. I kind of made this like weird kind of sardonic, sardonic beginning to the piece. And it started a lot quicker. The same thing with the ending. Uh, I had a whole different idea, but because of a limit of time and money, I changed it to this like simpler idea. And ultimately, that worked to just cut pages and to simplify. And I made it lighter. Uh, I made my beginning and my ending lighter, which... Uh, in retrospect, it was a good idea because the movie gets quite dark at times. What's it like for you when you finally sit down and see the whole thing projected with an audience? Oh, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I kind of sat there last night going, oh, what's coming up next? Oh, they're going to like that. Oh, boy, they're going to be surprised by this. Like, I knew I was kind of only a little bit ahead of them with the next scene in my head, wondering how they're going to respond. So it's fun. It's like, I don't know, to me it's like, you know, putting pictures in front of people and going, oh, you know, I've been working on this for three years. What do you think of this? You know, and then seeing how they respond. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's very personal because mm-hmm. it's the work that you've done. But it also, in the same sense, I'm kind of um, distant from it because I know that as an actor, a lot of what we do is just um, controlled by editing and the takes of the day and that I'm not, you know, particularly defined by people say uh, or are you going to be hurt or something when someone doesn't receive it well? I'm like, no, this is what I did at this particular time in my life with, with a limited amount of money, time and space with some friends, and I move on. And, and uh, you know, all of those factors affect you in the moment, and you can only do the best you can. So I'm, I'm very good at kind of like going, oh, moving on, and uh, and not really having a lot of emotional I'm sorry, I get an investment with my ego and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, because I know I'm going to get some pot shots from people saying that I'm, you know, I put myself in my own movie and I directed it and all this stuff, you know. And I understand that that, that exposes me to some criticism, but, it, you know, I don't. it doesn't really mean that much to me because, you know, I, I got a lot of enjoyment out of it and I did the best I could and I just moved moving on, you know. When it comes to that, I'm sure the price is right. You probably work for cheap. Yeah, I'm pretty darn cheap. I didn't pay myself as a director, as a writer, and I had to pay myself as an actor. But I, li- I literally was paying myself. <laughs> <laughs> so you had the premiere last night, and I'm curious what happens next. Where does it go? Who gets to see this now? It goes to uh, a nationwide release in 10 cities on uh, Friday. It's a limited release. It's also going to be released on uh, digital platforms so people can rent it on Friday. That's a very common kind of release now with independence. And I was lucky to get it. And then from there on, it's going to live in a streaming world and probably jump around on a couple platforms. And that's that's where it'll live. Um, it won't stay in the theaters long, which is unfortunate, but that's, you know, reality of movie making today. And what's next for you? I have um, a movie coming out actually in a couple of weeks, which is really interesting timing that I shot with Soderbergh. Steven Soderbergh, um, and I, I play Meryl Streep's lawyer. It's a movie called uh, The Laundromat, and it just premiered at uh, Venice in Toronto, and that's going to be released on the 27th of September. 
And uh, so I got to work with the great Meryl Streep for uh, two days. And that was an unbelievable experience. And you've worked with uh, Soderbergh at least one other time that I can remember. Uh, no, it's my third movie with him. Third, okay. Yeah. yeah, I did The Informant, I did Contagion, and now this one. Okay, I remember I remember you in Contagion for sure. Yeah, and The Informant, if you haven't seen that, is a, it's a great movie. Talk about some interesting tone. That's a great one. Yes, yes, he cast all comics. You know, I, I, I guess I left Steven out. Um, he really did inspire me. I've watched him, and he really taught me how to shoot for coverage. Um, when I've been on his sets, he saves, he's like the only director that comes in under budget. And uh, he shoots, he comes under budget because he just shoots to edit, and he just does not do coverage. And I saved a lot of money and time by doing that, too. So he also doesn't use a lot of takes. It's a really inspiring way to make movies. And it can be done, and it can be done quickly. And he's always done by three o'clock, and everybody's having a drink. <laughs> and he's always under budget. He's famous for that. I think that's one reason why he's so successful. And he also doesn't seem to get caught up on format. It seems like whatever medium, he'll make a movie in it. Yeah, he's driven by a very interesting passion for uh, in filmmaking, and it's not your traditional reasons. Uh, he he used to say to me when I, I'd watch him because he edits the day that he shoots uh-huh. and he, he edits in the bar usually at a hotel oh, and I said what are you doing Dave uh, I'm Steven and he goes this is how I get this is this is my pay for what I do I love editing I'm not, he's not so much crazy about being on set but he loves shooting so he can edit stuff later hmm. so he really he, he's really you know talk about control he's shooting it himself he's directing it and he's editing it that night. So you can pretty much watch your scenes right away. Yeah, he's his, he's his own DP, right? Yes. I mean, he has cameramen there, and, and he's got a guy lighting it for him. But they've all been working together for a very long time. So it's like it's an unspoken, relaxed approach to filmmaking, which is, I've never been on a set like it. It's just so low-key, it's, an, it's an, an easy to be working with him. It's incredible. So, Larry, is there a good place for people to keep up with you, keep up with the movie? Yeah, just, uh, you know, Three Days with Dad, it, it, hopefully it'll find you. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, be find, you'll be finding you with some ads and stuff. You know, Comcast has picked it up, so they're the ones that are doing it on demand, and they have various platforms to rent from. And uh, we'll see how people start to respond, and hopefully we'll get a movement going and... You know, it, it, it'll, it'll, it'll have a life of its own. Um, as far as I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, people can find me. Um, I'm not necessarily driven to drive people to those platforms. Right. Um, per se. <laughs> they, they can come. I, I don't know. Facebook, I, I definitely don't take too many strangers on, but I do have some public posts. On Instagram, you know, sometimes I keep it private, sometimes I keep it open. Um, I really have to get used to working with uh, social media a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely do. But uh, hopefully, again, I hope the movie finds them. I hope a friend tells them about it, and they watch it, you know. And, um, you know, I, I, I made this movie so that when people lose a parent or someone that they love, they'll have a, be able, a picture that they can watch that will remind them that they weren't alone in their process yeah. and that uh, that yes they also experienced it uh, you know they'll, they'll relate to the experiences and also I think the tragedy about uh, the uh, humor and the heart that I, I tried to bring to this picture well Larry I think you did a great job I really enjoyed it and I look forward to your next one. Oh yeah me too I'm ready to go all right <laughs> If you want, I need about uh, $2 million if you've oh. got a way. I don't seem to have that with me, but maybe okay. I'll check my other pants. Okay, just check the other pants and okay. give me a call. <laughs> Larry Clark, thank you so much for your time. This was great. It was really, it was really great. I really appreciate uh, you taking your time. It's not time to make a change Just relax, take it easy You're still young, that's your fault There's so much you have to know Find a girl, 
settle down if you want you can marry look at me i am old but i'm happy i was once like you are now and i know that it's not easy to be calm when you found something going on but take your time think a lot I think of everything you've got for you will still be here tomorrow but your dreams may not How can I try to explain when I do he turns away again it's always been the same same old story Now there's a way and I know that I have to go away I know I have to go change just sit down take it slowly you're still young that's your fault there's so much you have to go through find the girl settle down if you want you can marry look at me i am old but i'm happy Keeping all the things I knew inside It's hard, but it's harder to ignore it If they were right, I'd agree But it's them they know, not me Now there's a way, and I know That I have to go away I know I have to go If you enjoy this show and want more people to know about it, head on over to iTunes, leave a comment, and rate it five stars. Make sure you like and share us on Facebook, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Just search for Christopher Media. Thank you in advance for supporting Christopher Media by clicking on the PayPal button and by clicking through to all the sponsors who support ChristopherMedia.net. Most importantly, we would like to take the time to extend an extra special thanks to you. Christopher Media could not exist without your support. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net, and thank you for listening. Christopher Media. Let's make some noise.